And we know that, God, your word can pierce our hearts, our souls. And we ask this morning, as we learn about serving one another through love, God, that you would break our hearts for the same thing that breaks your heart. You would allow us to care for others in ways that leaves the entire world amazed because of how we serve one another, how we love one another, how we treat one another. That our, that our friendships and our relationships would be a small picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. God, may the words that come out in the sermon not be my words, but Lord, would you guide those through your Holy Spirit this morning to transform us and change us to be more like Jesus Christ this morning. Help us to serve like he did, sacrificially, towards each other and towards anyone that we come into contact with. Heavenly Father, we ask most of all that it would not just be this morning that we hear something and we walk out those doors unchanged. But God, you would change us here so it affects our week and the rest of our lives. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. My name's John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight. If you weren't here last week or the week before, you're probably shocked And if you've been coming for a while because over the summer, one, I lost weight, and two, we traveled a lot. So I, I have to say this again because I can't say it enough. I am so, so thankful for the leadership at Sunlight for allowing us to take a sabbatical this summer and get to the point where we're recharged, my family's recharged, we're coming back. My wife is actually due in September because all we do is have September and August babies. I don't know, is there anybody that has a certain month? Like, I don't know what it is, but September and August babies, we're just, we're hoping that it's not the same birthday as one of our other children, okay? Can you guys pray to that end? Okay. So today we're gonna be in Galatians chapter five. We're starting a new series called Friendology. Ology means the study of, so we're the study of friendships. And we're gonna study friendships from one another passages in the New Testament. And what that means is like today, part of the passage says serving one another. That's how you treat your relationship with other people that you're around. How are we gonna treat one another? That's a question we all have. You don't have to go to church your whole life to have that question. How are we gonna treat one another? And we see it modeled for us, sometimes in bad ways. If you notice on TV, every dad is an idiot. Can I get an amen? Have you ever noticed that? Like we don't have good examples in the media. Every dad's an idiot. Every mom's brilliant, which moms are brilliant, okay? <laughs> so I'm not disagreeing with that. But if you notice, men are put down. So, so how are we gonna treat one another if we look to examples like that? Well, we're not gonna treat each other very well. And so we're gonna focus today on loving and serving one another. And I, so I'm calling this message going the extra mile. And I've been running a lot, so going the extra mile is like, I've got a plan to do this many miles and I'm gonna go the extra mile. And really, serving one another is about going the extra mile. It's not, it's not about stopping when you know, okay, I can reach this point. You know, I, beginning of summer, it was like, I can walk a quarter mile, okay? I can do that. Well, now I'm gonna walk a half mile. And then you get further and further. But the reality is going the extra mile is, means you're pushing yourself when it comes to service. And so 
This summer, I read a lot. We all heard that about 15 times the last two weeks. And so one author I was reading this summer described an experience he had with service, and I think it's powerful to kind of encapsulate what we're going to talk about today. And so he walked into a diner in a small town, and the waiter comes up to him. The waiter asks him, so, you know, can I take your order? What do you want? He goes, I'd like just, let me see, I just want some rolls, and I just want a salad, and can I have a Diet Coke? And what does the waiter do? Have you ever had this happen to you when they don't have Diet Coke? Oh, we only have Pepsi products, okay? Anyone that likes Diet Coke or Coke, you know that's like the death knell. You don't want to hear that. Like, you only have Pepsi? Oh. Or if you like Pepsi, you're like, only Coke? So the service says we only have Pepsi products. So he, he responded, the author responded by, by saying, I, I'll take a water with lemon. So the server comes back with his food, the salad, the rolls, the water. And I'm going to directly quote what happened next. I'm going to read this to you because I think this is so important to understand the dynamic that was happening here. The author describes, he's in, he's in the diner and then he goes, suddenly there was a blur of activity on my left. And this wind of enthusiasm blew behind me and then right over my right shoulder, you know how servers do that, right over your right shoulder comes a, a frosty 20 ounce Diet Coke. The long arm of service came around and it was great. I got really excited. And then the server went and waited on someone else and when they came back over, I said, hey, excuse me, I thought you didn't sell Coke. And the server replied, that's right, sir, we, we don't serve Coke. So he asked, where did this come from? He said, well, it came from the grocery store around the corner. He's like, oh, well, who went and got it? You've been going around. Well, I gave my manager a dollar and I had him go to the grocery store to get you a Diet Coke and bring it back. That's the kind of service that we all kind of want, right? Think about it. He, he noticed they'd been busy. It's the kind of service that goes the extra mile that says, I'm not gonna settle for what's right here. I'm gonna make everyone that is around me the most satisfied I possibly can. And that was a Diet Coke. That wasn't really a big deal. But you realize a server doesn't make a lot of money and you're like, hey, here's a dollar. I'm gonna get you a Coke just because you asked for it. So that type of service does something that we don't do many times. Culturally, we've shifted. It's taking responsibility for someone else's needs. You're trying to help that person with their needs. It, it takes responsibility for what's going on and makes it happen. And so we get to Galatians chapter five, and the Galatians are really struggling with that. They're struggling with how to serve each other. They're, they're struggling with how to love each other. They're struggling in, in, in to see that service is actually an opportunity instead of an obstacle. I'd be the first one to confess that when I'm in a hurry, I don't think I want to help anybody. You guys know what I'm saying? When you're in a hurry, you're like, okay, I got to go to the next thing. And you forget about the fact that the people you're walking by, the people you're driving by, the people that you run in contact with on your grocery run or whatever, maybe they have needs that you can fulfill that are really simple. We want to see service as an opportunity. That's exactly what it is. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. I'm just going to read 13 and 14. And we're actually, we're going to do four verses today. I, I really want to break this down because I think it's so important for us as a church, for us as, as Christ followers, as, as people following Christ to understand this. It says in verse 13, 
For you are called to freedom, brothers, not only to use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm just going to stop there for a second. I'm going to read the next two verses in just a little bit. But there's a lot packed into verse 13. Paul is addressing a church that is new and trying to figure life out. That sounds like every church I've ever been in in my life, even the ones that are 200 years old, they're trying to figure something out. Galatians has been widely accepted as the first book written by Paul in the New Testament. It's definitively the first book. It's, it's, it, he addresses the struggles in the church. This is a baby church. This is a church just starting to get, be able to walk. You know, they're stumbling around. Every time I have another kid, I get to the point where they can walk, and then it's like you gotta get the receptacle guards. You gotta, like, there's all these things you have to get when the kid starts walking to make sure that they don't electrocute themselves or something happens. So at this point, Paul is in addressing an issue that, that could be the issue of our time. Could be the issue of our time. Because there's so many arguments that say, well, we have the freedom to, but it doesn't mean it's the best thing. We're free from sin, but we have liberty to do things that are not sin, but could be sinful. Let me explain. Think about this. Is a smartphone inherently evil? Is, it, is a smartphone sinful? Anyone say yes, because I'll debate you right now. So, no, it's not. Or does the actions that could happen on a smartphone make it evil? No, a a smartphone is not innately evil. There's tons of things that aren't innately evil. But how you use them in your freedom is what, what crosses that line, what makes it that way. Christians have freedom to do things that we did not have freedom to do when we were under the law, when we were, oh, I'm gonna be religious. This is, this is I'm gonna do these five things so God lets me into heaven. I'm gonna be good, so it's gonna make, make me be able to do this. And we shouldn't use this freedom unwisely. Think about this, about freedom. When I worked in social work, I did, I did supervised visits where parents were able to see their kids but only under supervision of a social worker. And so I would sit there and watch these kids. And there was a, quite a few times where I saw kids talking to their parents for the last time they were gonna see them in 10 years because they made another decision that sent them back to prison. And the interesting thing about every single conversation that I saw, there was a common theme. When I pulled them aside afterwards and I talked to them, they all said the same thing. They all said, I didn't wanna do it, but I don't know anything else. They had freedom, but they didn't know how to live with their freedom because Guess what? You get three square meals a day. Everything's on a schedule. You know, you don't have to worry about the things that happen when, you, when you're free to do whatever when you're outside of prisons. We, as Christians, sometimes run back to that. And we're going to see later in the past where we run back to that because we're afraid because we don't know how to live in freedom. We just go back to the way we, things were. We default. Paul warns us Right here, don't use this opportunity for the flesh for those natural desires are gonna flourish in our lives. Don't use it as an opportunity. Our base nature is to sin. The world just doesn't wanna call it what it is. We all, we all wanna manipulate and, and, and hurt each other, but we don't want to 
but we're a slave to sin, that we just sang about this. Another way of saying this, that Paul's saying here, don't let your sin become active. Put it on the bench. Leave it over. (laughs) Don't, Don't let that opportunity happen. So we have an opportunity every day to choose the Holy Spirit or to choose the flesh. And the word flesh is really, I mean, it's just natural desires, but we've got something else that it says here. Instead, through love, serve one another. Instead. Any parents ever say instead? Well, instead of doing that, you should have done this. You ever hear that? That's what Paul's doing here. It's like a parent. Instead, instead, through love, serve one another. The word here used for love is a very specific word. And I have not defined this, I don't think, at church ever. But the word is agape. And it means something that is so profound that sometimes we miss it. Because the word love is thrown out every day. I don't know if you've heard this this week, but I really love cheeseburgers. Anyone ever say that to someone? I really love cheeseburgers. Oh, I love me some Mountain Dew. Right? We love lots of things. I love me my new shoes. Whatever it is. That's not what this is saying here. This love is literally means this. Willingly giving up your rights and preferences on an, to another person's, for another person's behalf. For another person's behalf, you're going to give up your, your rights and your preferences. You know, I, I don't think I can say even as a parent I do that all the time. You know, it's really hard. Giving up your rights and and preferences. It's a love that transcends what the world had known at that time, and it's a love that transcends what we talk about love now, because it's only found in Jesus Christ. There's no other way that you can love in that way, agape love, without the Holy Spirit. The world says, I serve you, you should serve me. There's strings attached. Jesus says this, think think about this, think about this for a second. It's often easier to love and serve people we know less. We give less grace to the people closest to us. And I would even argue we give less grace to ourselves than Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. We're hard on ourselves. And the reality is, if we're gonna through love serve one another, We have to first follow like Jesus did. We need to give grace to others, those we're closest to. When we make a mistake, we need to take responsibility. The waiter didn't make a mistake in my story, right? But he stepped up and took responsibility for the fact that they didn't have what the guy asked for. So through agape love, through this selfless love, we can serve one another selflessly. Serve one another selflessly. We can be free from sin, but serve Jesus Christ. And I don't mean you're never gonna sin for the rest of your life. What I mean is, now you have a choice. You have no chains, you don't have bondage, you have no, no reason, no excuse, because you've been freed to, ser- to be free from sin, to serve Jesus Christ. And there's a long phrase here that I have. On this, this, next, this next slide, there's a long phrase. It says, take care of others like we would take care of ourselves. But then there's even, it goes even further. It says this, but 
not elevate their inherent value above ourselves. It's not humble to treat yourself poorly. It's not humble. You have the same value as everyone else. God gave inherent value to human beings. It talks about in Genesis, we're made in the image of God. And when you go and say, and you beat yourself up, God's already forgiven you for that. You have to get down on your knees and talk to him about it. But you're beating yourself up. And the reality is, serving others does not mean you treat yourself horribly. It means you treat other people how you know you should be treated and everyone else should be treated because they have inherent value. Paul puts so much emphasis on serving one another, it's the only command in verse 13. He literally says all this other stuff. He talks about freedom. He talks about love. He says, serve one another. This is a command. This is a directive. This is so important. It's the result of truly living with the love of Jesus Christ moving in your soul. Verse 14 continues this. By declaring the whole law is fulfilled in one word. And those of you that are investigators, okay, notice that there's a lot more words than one word after that, right? I'm an investigator too, so I learned a lot about this passage in this part. The word used here that says one word is the same word used in John chapter one to refer to Jesus Christ. Everything is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. If you're gonna love your neighbor as yourself, you're gonna have to do that because Jesus fulfilled that. He loved you while you were still a sinner. He died for you, and that is exactly what we are called to do because he did it first. We, we don't serve a savior that's saying, don't do something I did. We don't serve a savior that's like a parent that says, do as I say, not as I do. We serve a parent that says, I did it on your behalf, follow me and do the same. One word fulfills the law, Jesus Christ. He loved us so much. He agape loved. He willingly put aside his preferences for us. The fulfillment of the law is through Jesus so that we can love others as he has loved us. Now, the hardest thing about this is to love others equally and not more than us, not less than us. This runs counter to a lot of things in our culture, not just the United States, but all across the world. It runs counter to racism, it runs counter to slavery, it runs counter to views on immigration sometimes. Your neighbor is not just your fellow human being, or not just your fellow human being, like proximity-wise, it's every single human being on this entire planet. Some of you know this last February I went to Bolivia, and I remember doing a home visit with Compassion International, and I went into this room, and there's this child laying on a bed that can't move, laying there, and he had the same name as me. And I sat there and thought, he can't do anything. They, they, the doctors have said he's gonna die soon. They don't know what to do. The woman's so poor, there's no way he's gonna get medical care if he needed it. And he's laying there and I'm thinking, he has just as much value to the God I serve as I do, even though I get to speak in front of people and encourage people and equip people, he's got so much value and I cannot forget that. So when you brush aside a need, remember, the person next to you has just as much value as you do. 
In our county, I'm gonna simplify things a little bit. There's two groups of people in our county. You might know where I'm going with this, okay? There's two groups of people. This is towards the end of the summer, so I'm using this in the summer, that people complain about. I'm gonna call the two groups. You guys are giggling because you know where it's going. There's the Lakers, and I'm gonna call them the Steubenites, okay? There's the Steubenites, the people that live here year-round and the people that just come for the summer. And if you live on a lake and you live there year-round, you're in both groups, so you're a winner. The people that live here year-round complain about how busy it is and how many traffic jams there are, which I find irony too because I've lived in Chicago and in California. No, there's no traffic. <laughs> That's a joke. Like, are you serious? People coming up in the summer for the lake complain about how, man, there's so many people from town here and can't we just get our groceries sooner? Shouldn't there be a, an express line? What's going on? Okay, I know, now I've just defended everybody in the room because you're in one of those two categories. You have to be, okay? You either live here or you, maybe you live somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe you don't live on a lake and you come during the summer. I don't know. There's no group that this command leaves out. There's no group that this leaves out. When it says love your neighbor as yourself, that's everyone that you're gonna talk to today. That's, that's everyone that is around you. That's your children. That's your parents. That's your cousin that you haven't talked to in five years. That's the lady that's struggling with her kids in the grocery line and everyone's giving her a dirty look. Everybody. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how they treat you. Serve one another with agape love. Willingly set aside your preferences. One of, the, one of the things that drives my wife crazy is I can't take five minutes at the grocery store. Because I'll talk to the person at the cash register if that's the only person that talks to me. I'll say, hey, how's your week going? And they're just kind of like, whoa, hey, we're not friends. I'm just checking, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the, the cash register and they're like, oh, no one ever asked me how my week is. When, we, when we're gonna agape love, when we're gonna serve one another on that level, we're not gonna be so focused on what's right in front of us that we're gonna see what's further ahead. That's probably what our prayer needs to be every day. God, help me to see the needs that are right around me that I'm missing. Help me to see my blind spots so that I can serve others better, so I can serve others well. When I was younger, one of the things I did with discipleship is I would take, in, in college, I would take high school students with me to the grocery store, or I would take high school students with me to whatever I was doing, whatever errand I was running, and I would just talk to them while we're doing stuff, normal stuff. Have you guys ever thought about that? I mean, that's so easy. You know, we talk about discipleship and we make it this hard thing, like you gotta sit down, you have to study for 17 hours, and then 17 hours is a little dramatic, but, but you just have to keep studying. But sometimes it's just having regular conversations that are touching on spiritual topics with anyone that you come in contact with. You can't know how to serve other people unless they tell you. And sometimes they won't tell you unless you ask. So maybe we need to ask more. So, that part was really good, but now verse 15 gets really nasty, okay? So we get to verse 15. I'm gonna read this. 
Verse 15 is killer, okay? Verse 15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's pretty simple. I don't want to be bit or devoured. Biting or devoured is very simple. It means to harm, hurt someone, to cut them off. It means extensive damage or destruction. And, and, and as I look in this room, I don't think any of you want to be characterized by that. The words here are used to describe something that that's really what people call you. People say, that person just is really, the word we use nowadays is toxic. That's not how God sees things. I don't think we want to be known for that. We don't want to be known for biting and devouring. So watch out. Last week, my son was riding his bike and I was up the hill from our house and he rode the bike and he rode the bike out into the road right in front of a truck that was coming. We're having a sewer put in on our street so there's all these construction trucks. The truck didn't see him and I just yelled as loud as I could, Zach! He looked at me, saw the truck, got out of the road and started bawling, just started crying because he was afraid. Sometimes, serving one another, you're gonna have to do things like that and people are not gonna be happy about it. Like if, someone, if someone's running off a cliff, don't you want as a friend, if we're really gonna be friends, we want to stop them from going off the cliff? Don't waste each other foolishly. Don't be destroyed by biting and devouring. So what is this biting and devouring? Words, tearing each other down. Very simple. Not helping when you can. It's not that they don't ask, but it's not helping when you can. You know about a need, but you say, I'm too busy. Sometimes you are too busy. That's a, that's a good answer. But I would argue that probably about 50% of the time, it's not really true. Manipulation, taking advantage of one another. You know, there's so many different ways that this can work out. Watch out that that's not what you're known for. You can be straight with one another without leaving or tearing one another down, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how you speak. You, 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 can be, you, can, you can be straight with someone else. You can, you can talk to someone and give them truth and love. I know that's hard. When we don't walk in the Spirit, we just tear each other down. So when we do walk in, our, in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, we don't give in to our natural desire to tear each other down. This one-upmanship. I don't know about you, but the hardest thing to have a conversation with is someone that you tell a story to, and then the next thing they do is tell you a story that's even cooler. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You just want to tell your story. You just want to finish your story. But then they're like, well, I wrestled seven alligators, not just six. And you're like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. You know? to top that person, that's not what we're called to be. When we do walk in the Spirit, we lovingly serve one another. We encourage one another. So what? So what are, what are we supposed to do? What, what are we called to be? There's a few things this passage makes very clear. We must be willing to give up our rights and preferences for other people to serve them like Jesus. We need to be willing to give up our rights and preferences for other people to serve them like Jesus. 
That's what we need to do. I've talked about this before. It's sometimes we're singing worship songs that are not my personal preference. But I know that if I forgo my preference for the sake of Jesus Christ and someone gets saved, it's worth more than my preference. So preferences have to die. Not that you don't have them, but that you're willing to forgo them for the cause of the kingdom and for Jesus Christ. Second thing here. Who we serve is not determined by our location, but by the inherent value God gives to all human life. By the inherent value God gives to all human life. It's not by the location. It's not just your next door neighbor. If you hear of a need, this last fall, we funded a project with two other churches to give water to a village where they didn't have water because those people have inherent value and that matters to God and it should matter to us. It's not that they're so far away. Don't forget that. We also, I I wanna make a note of this too. We don't know someone else's story And so when we see someone make a choice that we think is not the best choice, we don't know their story, so we need to take a step back and actually listen to what they've been through. It's hard. I I remember specific cases in social work where I thought, this person's making the worst possible decision, and then come to find out they were abused their whole life, they had all these different things going on, and that's all they ever knew, and they didn't know the freedom that Christ has given them because they were so afraid to go away from the only thing that they ever known, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. They needed support. They needed people that are gonna follow Jesus, come around them, and encourage them. This is the freedom you have. That is not the freedom you have. Don't believe the lie. So the third thing, what so what? Walking in the spirit is the key to serving others with agape love. If you're not, if you're not in the word of God on a regular basis, if you're not asking God for the small things and the large things, if you're not asking God for things that, that you have no potential possibility of doing, like another person's salvation that you met in a foreign country, if you're not asking for those kind of crazy things, this is, that's what walking in the spirit means. You ask for things that there's no way you can accomplish on your own unless God steps in and says, I am the God of the universe and I'm gonna do this. So let me ask you a few questions to kind of close. Are you willing to give up your rights and preferences for another? For other people? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give up your rights and preferences if one more soul is led to Jesus Christ. One more. If one more person you'll see in heaven when you pass from this earth to the next, are you willing to give up that preference for the sake of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to see other people as your neighbors despite their economic status, their skin color, their age, their education, or even their legal status? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and direction on how to serve others? That's the question we need to ask this week. Have you? 
If you haven't, then this next week is the week that you can say, I'm gonna spend this week every day, 30 seconds, and I'm gonna close my eyes, and I'm gonna say, God, please, with your Holy Spirit, give me direction, give me wisdom on how to serve others today. It's not a grand plan. It doesn't have to be. But when you are talking to God, he's listening, and he understands where you're at, And he understands what your capacities are, but his capacity is infinitely more than yours. So he's gonna bring the opportunity. See it as an opportunity to serve rather than an obstacle to your day. That's really hard. That's really, really hard. I'm gonna pray, and then I'm actually gonna interview a couple people from our church that have lived this out, understand this, and really it's an opportunity to see from another voice, someone else teaching and, and, and learning about seeing God move through someone dramatically in our church. So I'm gonna pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask, God, that you would be above all. You would be the one that we choose to follow so much that we were gonna serve our families, we're gonna serve those in our community. This Thanksgiving, this Christmas, we're gonna invite people into our home that aren't our blood family. We're gonna say, this person needs a place to have family. We're gonna serve other people in such a way that people are gonna continue to ask, even in public, what, What, why are you doing this? God, give us the answer at that point because Jesus loved me while I was still a sinner. So I'm gonna serve you through love. I'm gonna serve you despite our differences, despite everything else because Jesus loved me even though I couldn't be be more grateful for that I want to be grateful by serving other people. Lord, help us this week to ask for wisdom and direction on how to serve others. Help us to see ways that we can be true friends by serving other people. God, challenge the husbands in the room, the men in the room, to step up in their marriages, in their family, to serve their wives well to love their wives well. God, help us as the people of God to serve like you would. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen.